Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, the director of the College of Extraordinary Experiences. It's very, it's very uh, curiosity-inducing. Uh, found on the web at extraordinary.college, Klaus Rosted. Klaus, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Josh. All right. So I pull up extraordinary.college. It's very mysterious. <laughs> It is, it is. And, and you know, there are, and I let's start there because there are several ways you can sell in today's overly complex world. Mm -hmm. You can sell by being very clear about what you do. It's this high, it's this tall, it's this long, it does this and this and this. That's one good way to sell. Or you can sell by not saying anything and then saying people loved it, or even better, get people to say, I loved it, it changed me, it was amazing. Since we're not really good at the first one, we kind of go for the second. <laughs> and Extraordinary.College and the College of Extraordinary Experiences is all about that. We don't necessarily know what we're doing. We just know it has an impact. And that's why we do it the way we do. Yeah. So, um, okay. So let's let's take a stab at, at explaining what it is. And again, someone um, taking a, you know, or listening to us right now, you can pull this up on your browser as well, Extraordinary.College. All right. Uh, it, it, this is an event. Uh, and you're meeting in what looks like a castle. It is a castle. 13th century castle in Poland, complete with secret passages and a dungeon bar. Yes. Where <laughs> one meets, you know? And so who comes and, and what do you discuss? So the College of Extraordinary Experiences is, at its core, it's two things. It's it's two two premises. And if you, I'll, I'll run you through both. And if that sounds interesting to listeners, then they'll say, okay, then they understand. The first premise is we talk so much about diversity and about how diverse teams are powerful. Yet it's very rare that we actually meet people who are unlike ourselves. Most conferences, most professional conferences are people who are the same. 50 doctors, 50 bricklayers, 50 filmmakers, 50 C-level executives. Sure, we're different, we're human, but we're surface level, we're the same. So that's one thing. And that's good. That gives us incremental innovation. You go to a conference, you meet people, you get ideas, you exchange business cards, everybody's happy. But if you want yeah. radical innovation, if you want like the really like the smacks, then you need to sit the CEO next to the homeless guy. You need to have the jazz musician talk to the aircraft executive. You need to have the person who's a shaper at Victoria's Secret, actual job title, talk with the guy who made Burning Man, actual job title. And so one part of the college is we curate that. We find those people who would never meet and we put them in a place together. We put them in the castle together. And then the second part of the equation is when you curate vastly different types or, or people, usually what happens is you sit down at a table and there's the homeless guy and there's the circus director and there's you and there's the surgeon. And then you think they're wrong. They're mm. too young. They're too old. They're too corporate. Yeah. They're too artsy. They're too French. And you're guarded. And when the lady who has a machine that talks to plants starts speaking, you think, what a nutcase, instead of thinking, what can I learn from her? What does she do that I don't? Mm 
So the college is, first of all, gathering these people. And then the second part is creating an environment and an experience that lets them be their best selves, that lets them do something together. It's a network experience so that when you finally sit down at that table, you're going to have open hearts and open minds. And then whether you sit next to the guy who is the executive producer for The Lord of the Rings or a guy who turns out to be a British street magician in London, you're listening, you're interested, you're curious because you were just doing something together. You feel like part of the team. Instead of they are being others, you feel they're us. And that mm-hmm. means you're open. And, and that's when the radical innovation happens. So that at its core is the college. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Thank you have you. a pretty compelling, uh, the video, the video presentation uh, is, uh, I, I think just watching it, it's amazing that you've brought all of these people together. How have you done that? Like, how do you find these people? How do they find you? They find us. So the college has existed for about five years. And that means it has its own reputation. It has its own mystique. It has its own community that's slowly spreading. About, I'd say 70% of our participants come because they met somebody who was there. Somebody says, Carl, you should go to this. Josh, this is not for you. That sort of thing. But hopefully yeah. it doesn't. Josh, this is for you. But <laughs> but that's that's where, where most of them come. And then they're like, but what is it? I see it's a castle. And then they say, trust me and go. That's where <laughs> we get most of our participants because nobody really knows what it is. And we design it on the fly. We do a lot of live design. So the event is changing as it's happening because we're adjusting to the mood and the people who are actually there. So we, of course, we have some rough design, but a lot of the event is designed on the fly. A lot of it is is co-created by the participants themselves, and a lot of it is is organic. Um, we we set the stage at this beautiful medieval castle in Poland. We find the people, and then we kind of let them loose, and then magic happens. It sounds fairly audacious, and I'm wondering how the first one came together. <laughs> So the first one, we did a little bit more smoke and mirrors then. Then we had some people, we, we basically had the basic idea, this how do you connect people? And we had the location because we were using it for other projects. And then we reached out to our network and found interesting people with interesting names. And then we took them and then we put them on a website. And then we got their names to get us extra names. And then people started signing up. And at some point, we got a full roster of people. And they found out it wasn't just the people on the poster who were, who were interesting. It was everyone. And that's that's the secret. So at the beginning, we had an actual, like, these people will be there. Yeah. Come and meet Mark Ordesky, sure. executive producer of The Lord of the Rings. Mm. Come and meet Joe Pine, grandfather of the experience economy. Um, but as it's progressed more and more, we found that everybody's interesting if they're in the right company. Mm. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm with people who have a lifetime of live action role play experience behind them, then I'm just one of the crowd. That's that's where I kind of trod my shoes. Then I'm just a guy. Then I'm just one of the, the crew. But if I step into the boardroom of Coca-Cola, then my experience makes me vastly different from all of them and vice versa. So you could be a, the most junior sales guy at Delta Airlines, but if you're walking into the 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 kind of the decision-making room of a circus, then you probably will have something interesting to add. Or you could be the most junior lion tamer, and maybe you'll provide some interesting stuff to that Coca-Cola boardroom. 
And that's the secret. We're all unique in somebody else's eyes. Yeah. The trick is is gathering those gathering those people in, in the yeah. right places. Yeah. Um, what's the, so like if, if, if you were to try to describe, you know, the transformation that you want to help make place, like, is there, is there a way to kind of, dis, I mean, is there, a, it, what is the transformation that, that, and I guess maybe it might be a little bit different for each person, but um, what, 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 what do we hope for? What, what area of transformation might we kind of focus on? So you hit it directly on the nail because there are some things, some things that I teach, for example, I teach storytelling courses. Mm -hmm. People go in at the end of them, for example, for consultants, if they're supposed to come out and be a little bit better storytellers or business strategy or a Photoshop course, it's pretty clear what you're there to learn. But this, we don't know because people are so diverse and we don't know where they are at. We don't know what they're looking for. What we try to do is create an environment where transformation easily happens. And then it's very individual, what kind. So there was a, 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 there was a guy there who, uh, who I think his biggest takeaway was he came over to me at one point and he had kind of like tears in his eyes, very, very emotional moment. He said, Klaus, I don't know if you set this up on purpose or if it was random, but he was in a group and he wasn't listened to, even though he was pretty good at what he did. And he felt so frustrated. And then at one point it clicked and he said, this is how my seven-year-old son must feel when we exclude him. This experience has made me a better father. I can't wait to come home and change how I raise my child. And I said, I wish we had planned this for you, but the reality is this is a thing that happens. We couldn't have planned that. We couldn't know that was a thing he was struggling with because nobody puts that on there. What do you hope to get out of this conference? Well, I want to become a better father, not unless it's betterfathers.com anniversary. So, so what we do is we create an environment where people are open to change. And then change hits them. And it's very, very different from person to person. Imagine it like somebody taking up a fistful of dice, and for each six they roll, there's an epiphany of some sorts. And what we do is we load that we load that handful of dice so there's as many as possible in that fist. So they're not just rolling one or two, but rolling 50. And then who knows what comes out of it? Usually good, often something that changes people. Sometimes they think we're idiots. Sometimes they'd rather go to the Photoshop course. And I understand that. Sometimes they'd like to know what exactly am I getting out of this? What? But most of our participants come there and come away changed positively somehow and with an incredibly strong community that they're now part of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Klaus, let's say someone uh, wants to host an event of their own. Um, you know, I'm planning on maybe creating one for next year. Um, what... What do what should event planners learn from you? Like, what do you, what have you learned and discovered uh, that that you think a lot of events are missing? Oh, thank you for asking that question. <laughs> that's, that's like, and then we smash. So, so many event planners, especially professionals, concentrate on the trappings of perfection, is what I like to call them, on the polish, getting the the right plasma screen, having the the forks and knives arranged just so and the sponsors and just the right lettering on the invitation. Because you can see that. You can see production value. We concentrate so much on production value when doing events. But the reality is that production value 
cannot save a bad event. It can boost a good one. Yes, you can notice it. Everybody's going to notice, oh, the chair sucked or the, mm. the queue was bad or blah, blah, blah. But at its core, if the core of an event is strong, if the core experience is amazing, then you're going to forgive any number of things. And I'm not saying just ignore production value because then everything will be fine. But what I'm saying is that if we spent more time designing the core experience, designing what it is we want out of the event, then we don't have to worry as much about, do we get the $50 wine or the $30 wine? Do yeah. we get the tables that are a little bit heavier and more sturdy than the others? Do we get the big flat screen or the small one? Do, does the program start two minutes late or is that disaster? There's a saying at the college where every time we, we gather people, we always say what the time is and we say we're exactly on time with a big grin because everybody knows that there's no schedule, nobody where there is a schedule, but nobody knows it. So <laughs> when we say it's 8.33 and we're exactly on schedule, <laughs> and at the beginning, people laugh a little bit at it because it's like, okay, that's weird. Obviously, things don't start at 8.33. Mm -hmm. And then the more it goes on, this is a five-day event, they get to trust that there's a deeper meaning to that saying that because this is here and this is now, we are on mm -hmm. schedule even though there might've been a different plan. And I think a lot of event planners don't dare to go down that. They don't dare to trust their core product or core experience mm. enough. They instead spend hours and dollars on getting all the production to 99% mm. instead of getting the event to 95% and then not worrying about too much about the other stuff. One thing that you do very well um, is, you know, kind of the story and the mystique around the event. And, you know, again, it seems very experiential. Um, what about, um, like, if I, let's say I've got an event coming up and, you know, I think you do a good job of of painting the right picture. And and that picture, the, you know, the, the energy uh, is is absolutely designed very intentionally to attract a certain type of person. And, um, you know, it's, it's not going to appeal to another. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, you're, you're using the way that you describe this is, you know, obviously you need to be fairly open-minded. You need to be interested in other people. <laughs> if you are not, this is not the event for you. <laughs> no, no, it is not. And I think to that, framing and staging are two of our kind of core tools. Yeah. Because framing is everything. Everything. There, there's this beautiful example, which I, I always quote, so I'm going to do it here as well, from uh, an event we held at that very same castle. It was a Harry Potter-themed live-action role-play event. Mm -hmm. So people came from all over the globe to be wizards and witches in kind of a real-life Hogwarts sort of thing for four days. And we're stressing about the preparations and the castle hasn't lived up to what they promised. So we're, we're basically carrying beds and putting up sonography pieces hours before the guests are going to arrive. And the team is stressing out like hell. Mm. And then our location boss comes to me and says, Klaus, we have a problem. You need to come with me to room K-22. I said, okay, what's the problem? He says, we can't, we don't have enough beds. We're going to have 12 people sleeping here in this kind of weird trio of rooms connected. And there's only 11 beds and we can't squeeze in another. What are we going to do? I said, don't worry. 
I've got to fix. And said, what? Are you going to like magically conjure up a bed? Like, how are you going to fix this, Mr. Smarty Pants? And it was our first big project together. So we didn't really know how the other person worked. And then I said, here's the staircase. The rooms were linked by a staircase. And here's a small kind of a small alcove under the staircase. We're going to put a mattress here and we're going to say, this is the Harry Potter sleeping spot. <laughs> and our location boss, Borote, looks at me and says, Klaus, they're not going to buy that. They expect a bed in a hotel room. What the hell? I mean, dude, seriously. And I say, Borote, not only are they going to buy it, they're going to fight over it. And then he says, okay, you're the boss. I want to see you fail, but let's see it go. So we put up a mattress. We go back to our duties. Some hours pass. The first guests arrive. Somebody comes and says, oh, we're going to be in K-22. At some random chance, we're there on duty at the front desk. We say, hey, welcome, guys. And I lean over to them in this conspiratorial voice and say, so you're the first people here. Now, one of you is going to have the Harry Potter spot in the castle. In the whole <laughs> castle, there's one spot under the stairs, only one. And since you're the first two people and you're in this room, you get to choose which of you gets it. And they're like, oh, my God, we get the spot under the stairs. It's Harry Potter. It's magic. It's Poland's. Woo! And they go absolutely crazy and they run off. And our location boss just looks at me and loses all faith in humanity. <laughs> because there's so many things where the proper framing, the proper staging changes the experience completely. Yeah. And if you use that as a tool and if you're confident, if you know what you're doing, you can do wonders with framing. We're so used to looking at the facts. And sometimes, I mean, I, I had a podcast. I've, I've had a couple of podcasts, but the last one I had, I'd usually tell my guests at the beginning, I'd say, well, this is welcome to the podcast. We have a policy of no editing. So it's one take. And if you sound like an idiot and I sound like an idiot, we're going to do that on, on the air. And they all were happy with that. And of course, I said it's to create a different energy, but it's also to say that I don't have to do editing. And if I just said, we're doing this with no editing because I can't be bothered to do editing, it's not interesting and my life is too, uh, is, is too fast-paced to do editing, then that would be very different than saying, we're doing it because I want the energy of a one-take without editing so you can't rethink your answers. Even though both are factually right. I wanted that energy, but I also didn't want to spend my time editing. I just chose which fact to present as the reason instead of the other one. Both of them were true. And that sort of thing. I think event organizers tend to forget that as an organizer of an event, you have tremendous power of framing. Yeah. And now I'm going to so, shut up because that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, I, I love it. So, you know, I'm, uh, Klaus, I, you should point out. Um, so from a consultancy standpoint, uh, so you uh, work with McKinsey. Um, so, um not only, obviously, you're very involved in, in, in this event, um, but uh, w professionally, people can can anyone hire you or can they find you and, and work with you in that regard from a consultancy standpoint? And if so, like, what does that look like? So they can. Uh, I'm horribly expensive. <laughs> so so they're, they're, you're more than welcome to seek me out. I do consulting jobs all over the planet, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm terribly expensive because I found out that was a more fun way to be. Instead of uh, instead of being good but cheap, I realized it was better to be okay but expensive. But that's a that, that's a side thing. But yes, people can definitely hire me. And what that looks like is is usually I get potted, get pulled in to provide a different viewpoint, to to kind of pro to provoke, to question, to say what about this or what about that. And all consultants do that to a certain degree. 
But when I get called in, it's usually to go one or two levels deeper because I'm a little bit of an outrageous character and I sometimes have outrageous yeah. ideas. Um, uh, this has been, Klaus, this is real, I've, I've had a lot of fun with this, you know, just again, kind of thinking of a, you know, an event for 2022 uh, and, you know, rather than just making it boring and corporate and, you know, structured and scheduled and like every other event out there, you know, just, you know, taking some, a page from, you know, invoking much more imagination and theme and destination and immersion to, you know, uh, you know, adapting a, uh, a character, uh, you know, I, I'm really kind of getting excited about, you know, that. And of course, you know, I, I really want someone to kind of take a look at uh, what you're doing and it's extraordinary dot college. And you can see exactly what I'm talking about. This has been a lot of fun. Klaus, this is fantastic. Uh, for uh, you got a button right there, request an invitation um, for those that would um, be uh, the right fit for something like this. We kind of already talked about that. Um, but um you know, anything else that, that you'd recommend someone do, uh, you know, in terms of engagement or, you know, kind of next steps? I mean, if you're curious after hearing this, then uh, Google me. There's only one of me for better and worse, mm-hmm. mostly worse. But and then there's a whole content universe of crazy out there to dive into. So so if you're curious after this, then uh, feel more than free to Google me and reach out. I'm easy to reach hard to catch hmm. but uh and, and most of all just thank you for hosting this i yeah I love being able to just appear and have a a wonderful facilitator of good conversation thank you for yeah that. yeah for sure you're oh you're also your personal website klausrosted.com that's c-l-a-u-s-r-a-a-s-t-e-d uh klaus has been a lot of fun thank you so much for joining us thank you have a great day Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.